Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. All right, let's get into it. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and verse 33. The book of Numbers, chapter 13 and verse 33. I want you to notice with me the book of Numbers, chapter 13, verse 33. The passage of scripture that reads as follows. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers. Notice what he says here. In our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Now I want you to stay with me as we go through this this morning. But I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic. Do you see yourself Trusting the Lord. Do you see yourself trusting the Lord? In fact, say that with me. Do you see yourself trusting the Lord? One more time. Do you see yourself trusting the Lord? Perception can be defined as a belief or opinion held by someone based on how things seem. Perception becomes our reality, excuse me, perception comes by our ability to see, hear, or become aware of something. It is our mental impression of ourself, situation, as well as others. It is how we organize and interpret information. It's how we see our space, which may be our home space, workspace, church space, school space, marketplace, and so forth. And at times, our lenses may be clear, and at times, our lenses may be cloudy. I must constantly check my perception of myself as well as others through the lenses of God's word. Sometimes you can see yourself, and based on the lens you have, it can become clear or it can become cloudy or out of focus. I must constantly check my perception. I realize as you grow in God, your perception changes as you grow in God, as you get older in life and so forth. And many times our past experience, people that we that we surround ourselves with, as well as family influences, how we perceive ourselves, will impact as well as influence us. For example, if people you know and somewhat trust you tells you you're a great manager of money, you may be more likely to believe that even though you have a difficult time paying uh, paying your bills. If, if the same people told you you were a poor manager of money because you never seem to have what I call hangout funds, you pay your bills, but you don't have hanging out funds, going to the movie, going out eating with the, with the boys or with the girls and so forth. Even though all your bills are paid and it may create, it could, it could possibly create self-doubt. And you may believe you're a poor manager of funds because you don't have hangout money. Godly perception and maturity in the word of God will help increase our self-esteem, 
build self-confidence, and ultimately we walk and operate in faith, which is confidence in our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Perception that is not grounded in knowledge and understanding of God's word can lead to poverty, promiscuity, suicidal faults, low self-esteem, arrogance, pride, and so forth. A skewed perception will cause us to believe there is no hope for our situation or our circumstance. It will tell us that things will always be this way and nobody is thinking about us or even cares for us. But godly perception will help us to recognize when there is a skewed perception of ourselves as well as our relationship with God. Causing us to go to, to scriptures like Psalms 115 and verse 12. In fact, if you don't mind, will you go with me to the book of Psalms 115 and verse 12. <clears throat> Psalms 115 and verse 12 reads as follows. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. Again, the Lord has been mindful. He's been thinking about us. He, at, listen, every, every day God is thinking about you. Every day God is thinking about you. Isn't it good to know God thinking about you? Woo-wee. Hallelujah. Do you know right now that person beside you may not think about you 24 hours a day and seven days a week? But you know God will think about you. I mean, he got you on his mind. I like that about God. I mean, you know, people forget about me. And I, and I, I ain't mad because I forget about people too. But God never forgets about you. Mm. And like this, he, if he thinks about me, he's thinking of ways he can bless me. He's thinking of ways he can cause increase to take place in my life. Causing me to be healed. Causing me to be delivered. Causing me to prosper. Causing me to bless. Be blessed because he's thinking about me. Hallelujah. You know, somebody comes to you and say, you ain't, you ain't even thinking about me. Well, maybe not, but God thinking about you, though. Hallelujah to God. Isn't that good to know? Because I may forget. I may have other stuff on my mind. And since I'm limited, I may not be thinking about you. But God is unlimited and can think about all of us at the same time and still have an individual fault about each one of us. And that's good to know, in my opinion. Hallelujah. I believe this helps us to be conscious and aware of how we think about ourselves since God is thinking about us and how we see ourselves. I have to look in the mirror and say, what do I really see? Do I see myself as a conqueror or being conquered? Let me say that to you again. Do I see myself as being a conqueror or being conquered? Do I see myself as an overcomer or being overcome? Do I see myself as a child of God or just another child on the street? Do I see myself as receiving the promises of God or do I see everyone else receiving the promises of God except me? How do you see yourself? Do I see myself as victorious or someone else's victim? How do you see yourself? And Psalms 115 and 12 quickly lets us know that somebody is mindful of us and that somebody has the power and the desire to bless us, causing abundance 
increase and better to be manifested. In fact, if you don't mind, go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 13. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 13. The Bible reads as follows. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You should be above only and not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them. So notice this. There's commandments that God gives us. There are instructions. There are things that God wants us to do. And if you follow that particular way, if you follow God's way of doing things, then he says, I'm going to make you the head. I'm going to make you the head. I like me. Listen, I've been on the tail long enough. I've been at the end long enough. I I need to be the tail for a little little while. See what that feel like. I've been been at the back of the line, but I thank God, God will put me at the front of the line. I appreciate the fact that he's producing in me, he's making in me, he's putting me at the front, at the top, he's making me the head and not the tail. Oh, I like that about God. Since he got me on his mind, that's what he's thinking about me. Since he got me on his mind, he's thinking, I'm trying to make Dobbs the head. I know why he trying to keep going to the back, I'm making him the head. I don't know why he keeps thinking he he a victim when he is overcomer. I, I wonder why he keeps thinking of like this when I'm thinking something different about him. Why well, I need to line up with God's word and what he thinks about me. I like I need to do that. In case in case you missed that one, let's go to Philippians one and six. Philippians one and six. I just want you to know God's working on you. God thinking about you. I like the fact God thinking about me. Oh, yeah, because I know you may think, listen, you may think about me, but what you think may not cause me to be blessed. Y'all missed that, day. I know. There's some people think about you, but they're thinking of ways to plot against you. Yeah, now, why you give Philippians 1 and 6? I want to tell you just a quick story. There were some people that were thinking about Paul, but what they thought about him was how they could kill him. That's all they thought about. I mean, one person said, I'm not going to eat till Paul is dead. Ain't nobody that deep in my life. I'm telling you right now. I'm not going to eat till you're dead? Oh, no. And that brother ended up starving to death. I'm telling you right now because Paul kept living and that brother, I don't know what happened to him. That's why you don't want everybody thinking about you. I put it to you like that. Philippians 1 and 6 reads as follows, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it into the day of Jesus Christ. So again, we're confident we are persuaded of this very thing that he who, he who has begun a good work. Everybody say good work. Now you notice when God begins a good work, He's beginning something that is upright and distinguished in your life. If when he starts it, God is God enough to complete it. That means he's going to accomplish it. He's going to finish it. He's going to perform it until the day of Christ. That means what God started in your life, even though you mess it up, God can finish it. I don't think y'all got that. Even though we mess it up, God can finish it. But listen, if your mess up stops God from working, he stops to be a less God. Because God got to be God enough to work through our mess ups. 
Adam messed everything up. Messed everything up. But God was God enough. He knew he would mess up. And God had already executed a plan to get us back in the right place. Oh, so I appreciate the fact. Let me tell you, I know you messed up. But as soon as you repent, God can get you back on track. I'm telling you, God can get you back on track. And if you ain't, listen, you ain't never had a good repentance time. You need to start today. <laughs> well, say, God, I messed up. I did this thing wrong. I thought I leaned to my own understanding, and when God worked it out for me. I, I can call up right there, but let me go on a little bit further here. When our perception gets skewed and it seems like things are not going to get better, we have to pull on Philippians 1 and 6 and rejoice in the good work, the excellent work, the better work that God is accomplishing in us and through us. See, perception is real and it can impact how we access and operate in the promises of God. One glaring example in the scriptures found in Numbers chapter 13. So let's go to Numbers 13 and we're going to start at verse 1. Numbers 13 and verse 1. There's a lot in this. I would not get everything that is in my mind about this, but I pray, I pray the Holy Spirit is going to give you enough for you to go back and study yourself. <laughs> so in turn, you get the rest of it. Hallelujah. So notice this in Numbers 13, verse 1. It's, it reads as follows. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, <laughs> Ooh, that's good right there. Now, when he spoke, God had something he was thinking about. He was thinking about the children of Israel. He was thinking about them. But what he thought, he said, I need to go to Moses and I need to tell him what my thoughts are in this season of the children of Israel's life. You need to know that God is speaking to you today about the season that's in your life. He's got you on his mind. He says, listen, I've got a plan for them. I know which way I want them to go. I know what I want them to have. I know what I want them to be delivered. I, they, I want them to be healed mentally as well as physically. I want them to prosper. I want them to receive the best I, that God has for them. I want them to receive the best. I want them to receive the best. So, when God spoke to Moses, a.k.a. Pastor Moses, their leader slash shepherd, he gave them specific instructions regarding access to the promise. And see, God still uses his shepherd and his pastor today to give us specific instructions on how to access our promises. In fact, if you listen carefully today, you're going to hear something the Holy Spirit is going to tell you that's going to help you to access your promise from God. Because he's got you on his mind. He's thinking about you. He's had you on his mind all week long. He says, I got to give them something today that's going to help them to access their promise. Access their promise. And the Lord spoke. Now notice the Lord, Jehovah, the all-existing one, the one true God, he spoke. He, he declared some things. He gave a commandment. And one thing when God tells you something, he's not thinking about if this is going to happen. In his mind, it's already happened. It's already taken place. It's already coming to pass. I mean, it, it is the done deal. And so when he spoke to Moses in verse 2, it says this. 
Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. So God said, I'm giving a certain piece of land in Canaan to the children of Israel. I'm giving it to them. In fact, in God's mind, it was a done deal. See, when God makes you a promise, it's a done deal. (laughs) Glory be to God. Therefore, the enemy wants to stop you from accessing the promises of God. Because if he can stop you from accessing, then he's like, if I don't know the promise, I can't receive it. But you notice something here. Moses had access to God, access to God, access to the promise. And I want you to understand something then. It is very important that we all understand in this particular day that God is giving the children of Israel a promise. Today is land. It could be healing. It could be deliverance. It could be prosperity. Whatever it is, God has made us a promise. And when God makes a promise, nothing can stop God's promises. There's no man, no woman, no business, no organization. Nothing can stop the promise of God. Then you say, Pastor, why are you emphasizing the promise? Because if you can get this part, you can handle the rest of them. <laughs> you know what I mean in just a moment. You need to understand that God has made you a promise. And if he made you a promise, it's going to come to pass. Woo! This is what you need to understand. There may be some obstacles along the way, but his promise is going to come to pass. Because one thing, uh, we're going to go into this just in a moment. What you're going to read is that God never said that the promise is going to be easy for you to get to. Never said that you're not going to have any obstacles or things to come along the way. Let's go a little bit further in verse 2. So he says here, send men to spot the land of Canaan. So we're going to send men to spot the land of Canaan which I am given to the children of Israel. For each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So he says, I'm going to send, I'm going to send out men to spy out the land, which I'm giving, I am consecrating, I'm appointing, I'm giving over to who? The children of Israel. Now, from each of their tribe, each of the tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man. Everyone a leader. A leader is a chief or a captain among them. That's why when, as a pastor, we continue to ask him to pray for us because it's important that I give God-ordained instructions week in and week out concerning your marriage, your relationship, how you, uh, excuse me, encourage you to study, to pray, to give, and so forth, so in turn you get access the promise of God. I, I, I try to give you instruction. Giving instruction. Praise and worship instructions. Prayer instructions. Fasting instruction. Whatever the instruction is, the instruction is not for me. It's for you to access the promise. Everybody understand that? The instruction is for us to get to the promise. Listen, if I'm not going to Atlanta, I don't need instructions to Atlanta. But if you're, since you're going to get the promise, or excuse me, the land of Canaan, whatever the promise is, you need instructions on what to do. You need instructions on what to do, all right? So pray that we do this the right way. 
Now we see in Numbers 13 and 2 that the way Moses handled the delivery of God's word, specific detailed instructions. For example, he said, sit out men with the purpose of spying out the land. He told Moses they are to go, go to Canaan, the specific land to go to. Told him what to do to spy out the land. Now Canaan was the land west of the Jordan. The Canaanites lived there and they were known to be merchants and traders. Notice something else too. Not every man can go. Not every woman can go. Only take with you the people God tells you to take. Let me say that again. Only take the people God tells you to take. He told them to take the leaders. He didn't tell them to take everybody else. You don't need to take your auntie, your cousin, your favorite person, your best friend and all them. He said take leaders. And even the ones you take sometimes can give you trouble, but that's another story for another day. Notice what he says, everyone a leader, a chief or a captain among them. See, leaders were certain traits. Leaders should have maturity, awareness, motivation, be inspirational, maturity, encouraging, willing to take rest, maturity. Leaders should be mature. He didn't want novices in there. He wanted leaders. And leaders need to be what? Mature. Mature. At times, as leaders of our family, our zealer, or even ourselves, we must go out and scout the promises of God and bring them back to our family, our auxiliary, and so forth, and let them know that God is a healer, he's a deliverer, he's a way maker, he's a yoke destroyer, he's a burn remover, he's a financial planner, a homework helper, a relationship advisor, a favor provider, and so forth. Our leaders should let people know that he is our deliverer. He is our way maker. He is. When leaders are bringing back something contrary to God, there's a problem. There's a problem. And godly leaders have to be able to hear and act on specific detailed instructions just as their leader does. Now, when it comes to accessing the promises of God, we need to step up, step up as leaders and know God's specific detailed instructions so we can access the promises of God. Now, let's look at the scripture for the promises of God. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. Bible reads as follows. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God for us. For every promise, a promise is a declaration or assurance that one would do a particular thing. A particular thing that will happen. It is an assurance that a blessing will come. God is giving us a, giving us a promise. It's going to come to pass. It's going to happen. That is what God is speaking. Now, let's go back to Numbers 13 and verse 21. Numbers 13 and verse 21. So we see here that God has spoken to uh, Moses to speak, to get the uh, leaders from the tribes to go out and spy the land of Canaan. And so they get over to Canaan, so they went up in verse 21. The verse in between that tell you the people that came out. And so they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near the entrance of Hamath. 
And they went up through the south and came to Hebron, Am, Shishah, and Tamar. The descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. One of the things you see here is that when they went, there were people already there. Now, this is what you need to understand. God knew the people were there before he sent them. It was not a secret to God that the people were there. We read there that the, there were a lot of different ites over in this particular land. For example, if you went to the land today and you saw the Smith ice, the Dobbs ice, the Harris ice, the, the, the whoever ice, are y'all following me? Whatever the people are in there, God knew they were there. And there were one set of people there that were called the, uh, the children of Anak, and they were what they considered giant people. In other words, they were big old folks. I don't know if that's the proper terminology, but y'all get the picture, right? Seven, eight feet tall, 400, 500 pounds. They were some big old folks. And they were there too. And this is the land that God told them, I promise you this land. Can you imagine their minds start to mess with them a little bit? Oh no, because if I pro- if God promised me something, I'm thinking, hold on God. It shouldn't nobody be there. Let's say, for example, now this is not, I'm not telling you this is you. This is for example, God promised you a car. And he said, that's the car you're going to go ride in. Right? That's your car right there. But God, somebody already got that car. But that's your car. But God, somebody already in that car. Somebody already got the title on that car. And you want me to have that car? I mean, you're thinking, well, God, come on now. Am I missing God somewhere in here? They are, there was a people already in the land. It had to be quite an experience to go to this strange place and see all these people along with these big old giants up in there. And they would go on to verse 22. Or excuse me, 23. Then they came to the valley of Esco, and there cut down a branch, one cluster of grapes. They carried it between the two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and the figs. Boy, can you imagine, let's say minister, uh, minister standing there and I'm standing here and between us there's some grapes we hold it up carrying back. Grapes. Grapes. I eat grapes and they'd be about this big. It'll take me but one hand to carry them. But they had grapes so big it took two of them to carry. Here we are walking around carrying the grapes. Then somebody else got pomegranates. Somebody else got figs. But in this land is people. People. Not small people, but big people. People that are in the land. No doubt that would lead us see what they were seeing was impacting them. They were developing a mental oppression of the promised land. They were forming a belief or opinion based on how things seem. Many times perception is developed over time and through experiences, whether they're good or whether they are bad. Perception may be real to the person that is seeing it, but it's not always real according to God's written and revealed word. Our reception can influence the way we think, the way we talk, and the way we act. 
when we as a lead, when we are in leadership, it can positively or negatively impact those we lead or have influence over. Let's go. Let's go back to Numbers thirteen twenty four. The place was called the Valley of Esau because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there, and they returned. Verse twenty five. And they returned from spying out the land after forty days. How big is a land that take you forty days to go uh, spy out? Forty days. I can go to the city of Villager right now. It wouldn't take me no forty days to tell you what's here. I'm walking, and it would not take me 40 days to tell you what's here. Are y'all following me here? 40 days. These spies were going and spying out the land. This is a large piece of land. This is not something. This was thousands, at least thousands and thousands of acres. When it took a man this long to spy out the land. So now they've been 40 days going around the land and now they come back to give their report to Moses and the children of Israel. Think about it now. They bring back grapes. Two people care. Big old pomegranates. Big old figs. But they also saw they brought something else back with them that didn't come back Physically, but it came back mentally. Oh, y'all missed that day. Sometimes people can bring back stuff with them based on their perception and what they experience. They may not bring it back physically, but they bring it back mentally. People, you got to be careful because people can get in different environments. And they may not Tell you they went in that environment, but their mental capacity, their mental thinking is affected by the environment that they're in. Look at this stuff on television. Ain't got no business looking at effective mentally. Yeah, they'll turn it off, but their mind is still playing it. They've done something, got no business doing. They stopped doing it, but their mind is still playing. Get in church and they say, hey, I'm listening to the word. But all of a sudden, something pop up in your mind that you saw last week. That's why you got to be careful what you allow to come into your ear, eye gate and your ear gate. Because they can pop up at the most. Un- careful about your relationship because they can pop up in your marriage. Careful about that stuff you do some dibble and dabble in uh, on the on the phone when no, when nobody looking because they can pop up in unusual places. The enemy can pop up in unusual places. He said, "I I, I may not can go with them, but they're carrying me in their mind." When the children of Israel got back, they listen. They brought back the pomegranates. They brought back the figs. They brought back the grapes. But they also brought back something in their mind. And what they brought back in their mind, I'll give you a quick clue, was not in line. Some of them was not in line with what God had promised them. Remember what God promised them back in verse 1 and verse 2? Hey, that's what he promised them. Think about that as we go read down. Starting at verse 26. 
they did depart and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel and the widows of Aaron at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Woo! Look at all that fruit they had. That's wonderful, ain't it? Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. That was good. Yeah. Milk and honey was wonderful. And this is his fruit. The grapes, the pomegranate, pomegranates, the figs. I mean, they had some good fruit in there. Verse 28, nevertheless. Uh-oh. Now, while I was reading this, my wife and I were talking about it. She said, there's a nevertheless in there. I said, really? And, I, and I, that nevertheless caught me. Because anytime people bring you back reports, now all of a sudden, nevertheless, you got to watch out for them nevertheless, folks. Pastor, we can do it, but nevertheless. We're going to take the land, y'all, for to pay out this search, but nevertheless. We're going to pay out all the mortgages in the church, but nevertheless. We've been to, listen, we're going to pray that everybody be healed in this sanctuary, but nevertheless. We want to make sure we are keeping the promises of God in their proper place. And leaving that other stuff behind us. So y'all follow me here. Nevertheless, verse 28, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And, and let me say this to you before I read the rest of this. They really were strong, y'all. <laughs> when he said they strong, it was no lie. They were strong. And not all that, the cities are fortified. Yet they were fortified. Uh, not only that, they were very large. And not only that, moreover, moreover we saw the descendants of Ain out there. The Amorites dwell in the land in the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. When I thought about this, I said, boy, there are a lot of people up in here. I mean, they got folks in the, in the mountains in different parts. They got folks by the sea in their part. They got people in the valley. And this is the place where God told us we were supposed to dwell in. Can you imagine? Not only that, some of the people they saw, because anytime you got all this grapes this big, somebody eating them grapes, y'all. Look how y'all looking at me. Let me say something there. I know, I know, I've heard y'all say this more than one time. Anytime there's a baby snake, there's a mama snake somewhere. <laughs> somebody was eating all their grapes. Pomegranates and figs. Many scholars believe, and I kind of agree with them, is that the reason that the people were drawn to the land because of all the substance that could sustain them. Somebody was eating all that stuff, y'all. There's a lot of people there and so forth. And so we'll go on. Now, when it says they're strong, this place was, it was large, it was fortified, mighty, and fenced up, and very large. And Anak was, they were some big people. They were giants. And I told you my terminology, big old folks. <laughs> big old folks. And these folks were dwelling all over the land. 
of Canaan what God told them that he had promised to them. Go on to verse 30. Then Caleb cried to the people, because you know people got upset. You know how people are. Well, you may not know, but people, they get upset when they don't, it's not to their perception. When it doesn't, when it's, we got to do a little work to get what God promised us. So we want to do a little work in the church in order to get some things done. Well, that, I just want to receive the promise. I don't want to do nothing. Don't it sound like them? I want the promise, but I don't want to pray. I want the promise, but I don't want to give. I want the promise, but I don't want to sacrifice nothing. I want what God has, but I don't want to give up anything. When I got to give up something, then notice when it kicks in, they get noisy. Get noisy. But Caleb cried at the people in verse 30. He says, now, Caleb was one of the ones that went up and saw the same thing that everybody else saw. He saw the same thing. Woo, good God Almighty. I love Caleb, folks, man. When they see, amen, they're not concerned about what they see, but they walk by faith and not by sight. I like that because just like our thing, he, I believe, he trusted the Lord wholeheartedly. Despite what he saw, despite what he see, he trusted the Lord and as he cried at the people, he says, let us go up at once. Don't hesitate. Let's go. Let's go and do what? Take possession for we are well able. Well able. Well able. I love some well able people. They're not looking at their natural possession, what they got, but they're walking by faith and not by sight. They say, I trust the Lord for what we're about to do. And I need people that trust the Lord for what we are about to do in this ministry, for what we're about to do in your auxiliary, for what we're about to do in your house, for what you're about to do in your job, in your business, and wherever you are. Do you trust the Lord wholeheartedly? Well, I don't know if I can do it or not. He didn't ask you all that. And one thing about it, when God made the promise, he knew them folks were there. It wasn't all like, oh my God, they, it was a surprise to God. Not when he made the promise back in verse 1 and verse 2, he knew who was in the land. He knew there were some giants up in there. He knew there were some big grapes up in there. He also knew there were uh, the, all those ice up in there as well. But he also knew there were some pomegranates. He also knew there were some figs up in there. He also knew that whatever God promised, God is God enough for it to come to pass. God also knows, amen, that when he tells you something, he is Lord of lords, he is King of kings, and he will. He... But he never promised you there would not be ites. Those, God never said, it's going to be easy. He never said, I mean, it might be all right, but you know, you might have to do some stuff here. Uh, let, let's face it, you might have to give a little more than what you've been given. You may have to fast instead of 30 minutes a day, an hour. 
You may have to read your read the Bible more than one scripture at a time. That one that pop up on your phone. That's the only word you read all day long. You may have to read more than that throughout your day. You may have to do more than what you've been doing in order to conquer or receive the promise that God made you. Now remember, it's all about the promise. It's all about the promise. If God made you a promise, he also understands the hindrances. He also understands the different things that you're going to come across in order to receive the promise. But you gotta, listen, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't listen, it should not be strange to you when we got plenty of examples of scripture. That what God does, He He gonna do it, but it, He never said that you weren't gonna run across obstacles. You ever, I mean, let's face it, God promised me peace, but you know, sometimes He said peace in the midst of chaos. Notice what He said, the joy of the Lord is my what? Strength. It's gonna taste something. It's going to take something to receive the promise of God. But let me tell you something. It's well worth it. Woo! Somebody say that with me. It's well worth it. It's well worth what God promised you. It's well worth it. I mean, God has promised you some stuff. God is pro- and God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of God that he should repent. Let me say this to you. Whatever God when God sends forth his word, it should not return back to him, boy, but it should accomplish everything, everything that he sent it out to do. Just like God promised the children of Israel. I, I promise you this land. Yeah, I knew there were some ites in there. Yeah, I knew there were giants up in there. Yeah, I knew that there was a bunch of people in there. I mean, a bunch of ites. I mean, different groups. Can you imagine all the different groups in there? King of Macos is saying that it took them 40 days to spy the land. Now, they were walking, but still, 40 days is a long time. Long time just to be spying out land. I can walk around this property right now. It would take me no 40 days. Y'all follow me? This must be a huge, in my opinion, thousands and thousands of acres that God had promised to the children of Israel. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, y'all got excited. But Caleb, I like Caleb. Now let's go back over in verse 31. But the men here going up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people. For we, for they are stronger than we. How did they know that? How do you know they're not, they're not afraid of you? Who told you they were stronger than we? Sometimes we look at stuff and we, we assume or our perception is that they're stronger than us. You know, I, I tell you this all the time. Why not you do the business? Why not you get the position? Well, they're smarter than me. Let me tell you something. Some folks in positions right now. I ain't going to say that. I ain't going to say that. I ain't going to say that. Say that. I might say it later, but I'm not gonna say it right now, okay? No, no. Verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land. That's the problem. Leaders giving bad reports. Leaders who should be on the promises of God are giving a bad report. That's why you gotta this why 
See, it takes something to trust the Lord. See, a lot of people say they trust in God. But do you really trust God when you see the giants in the land? Do you listen? And let me let me let me clarify something. I'm not saying what they saw was not real. Them giants were real. Them cities were fortified. There were a bunch of people up in there, and they probably were strong too. Can you imagine you watching somebody all of a sudden you you think they ain't strong, but all of a sudden you got somebody in there that pick up that big old uh, rock. That thing look huge, right? They pick it up like it ain't nothing. Grab another one like it ain't nothing. You you said, well, I ain't fighting them. You automatically assume that brother can go. <laughs> I mean, they're for real about it. I've been there. Quick, quick example. I know y'all can't believe it, but I remember I used to play basketball. And then I go play a little bit. And then all of a sudden somebody comes to the gym. I come in the gym, boy. Or I'm playing the gym. On the playground. <laughs> On the playground. And, and first thing they do, they grab the ball, one hand stand the goal, and go, boom! I said, I ain't guarding him. <laughs> automatically make the assumption that brother can play. <laughs> or they come out there and they grab the ball and about 50 feet from the goal, they start shooting, boom, and they ain't missing nothing. I said, no, he ain't got warmed up yet. I ain't guarding him. <laughs> that brother quick, I ain't guarding him. You see, you make assumptions that they good even before they play one game. Because some people play good by themselves, but they can't play team ball. You get out of that. But, they were making assumptions about these folks. That they had perception about them. And what they saw was real. What they saw was real. I'm not denying what they real. See, understand something. I'm not denying COVID-19 is real. I'm not denying civil unrest is real. I'm not denying, I'm not denying that people are about to go to war in other lands. I'm not denying the forest fires in another country. Now let me say, let me bring it home to some of us. I'm not denying your bills are real. I'm not denying what that doctor told you. I'm not denying what the lawyer told you. I'm not denying what the psychologist told you. But I'm telling you, they're not greater than God. They're not greater than God. They don't have the final say-so. I don't care what they told you. They do not have the final say-so. I'm not going to, but let me give it to you. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Despite all the ice and the giants in the land, do you trust God? Do you trust God despite the giants? Despite everything you see around you? Now, I'm not denying what you see is real. Because I don't want nobody getting, I ain't got no strange faith that says, you know what, I don't see what that doctor told me. I see what the doctor told me. I just don't agree with it. Y'all follow me? I don't deny, he got a bunch of degrees on the wall. I don't deny none of them. He went to school and he does what, he or she does what they do. I, I agree with them. But they don't have the final say-so. They do not have the final say-so. They do not have the final say-so. So now, I've got to change my perception. I've got to see myself trusting the Lord despite what I see. Are y'all seeing this so far? We're almost done. 
I'm going to go to I'm going to go to the last scripture real quickly. I know they gave the bad report, and I understand that. But verse 33, and there we saw the giants. Now I'm not denying the giants are real. These were some big old boys. They, they were big. The problem was not the giant's perception. Now, one thing I thought about this, you notice what they said here that was kind of interesting. I don't know who were talking to the giants, who had a conversation with the giants, but it says this here. And then we saw the giants, the sins of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Now, why are you like a grasshopper? A little grasshopper defines locusts, a little bitty bug. Why do you see yourself like that? Did God tell you like that? Did God call you a grasshopper? And who in the world said that? <clears throat> and so we were in their sight. How do you know what they're thinking? How do you know? Sometimes you think uh, that folks are... Want to come against you, but sometimes people are afraid of you. Quick example, I'm gonna just just quick example. I, I I don't mean anything by it, and I pray that you catch what I'm saying here. Sometimes when I walk in the parking lots and people see me, they're a lot they know when I go by. I don't want nothing they got. They call it raggedy as. Because they think that I want something of them. But sometimes you can have perception of people the wrong way and don't even know nothing about them. Nothing about them. Nothing. But because of what you see on social media, what you see on television, your own past has came up now. Your, all your ice that you dealt with in the past, you think that that's the same stuff you're dealing with today. All them giants from your past, what, what the mother doctors told you, what the mother lawyers told you, what the mother psychologists told you, what the mother people told you and came up now and you're trying to cause your focus to be off today. And God is saying, I need you to focus in on me. I need you to keep your eyes on me. The author and the finisher of your faith. I need you to be in a position to see yourself trusting the Lord despite what you deal with in life. You got to see yourself. See yourself. You got to perceive yourself trusting God despite the giants. Despite the ites, despite the billites, the, the doctorites, the lawyerites, the big old giants in your land that you see that are real, you got to see yourself trusting God despite what you see. Got to see yourself because perception is real, but God is bigger. That's why you got to stay in God's way. And see God get bigger and bigger and bigger. See, greater as he means, he got to get great in you. 
I got to constantly give him great. How to get him great? I got to meditate on his word. I got to continue to pray. I got to continue to come and get God's word week in and week out. I got to come and hear Pastor Moses. Pastor Moses, what you say about this situation? I got to hear what you're saying, Pastor Moses, because I can't lean to my own understanding. I got to I got to acknowledge you in all my ways and you direct my path. A good man's steps are order in the Lord. I've got to believe that what he says, he started a good work in me. And he's got me on his mind. He's thinking about me. He's thinking about the ways I can be an overcomer. Overcome by the blood of a lamb and the words of my testimony. I got to constantly think on his word. I got to know that he loves me. Despite me. I got to know. I got to know. See, we have a responsibility and a duty to see ourselves the way that God sees us in his written and revealed word. If we're going to access and obtain access, we're going to approach it and gain entrance and obtain, acquire, get and secure the promises he has appointed and designated for us. Let me say this to you. The promise is for you. The promise is for you. Yeah, I know you, you think it's for your neighbor, but it's for you too. It's for you too. This week, I want you to walk in this promise. Every promise God made you, well, Pastor, do I have to be perfect in order to get the promise? If that's the case, none of us will have a promise in it. And to be real with you, none of us will have a promise in here. But if we continue to seek him diligently and trust the Lord wholeheartedly, we'll operate in his promise. I'm done. Let me think. Let's give Jesus a hand of praise for his word. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.